Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Colts uniform for you Colts fans. We got to talk about Jonathan Taylor. The Colts have given Jonathan Taylor permission to seek a trade. What that basically means is this. We don't want to trade you, but if you can come up with a first round pick, if you can come up with something that we like, go ahead and work it out. But the bigger question is not this on Jonathan Taylor. It's not. It's not Jonathan Taylor. The bigger question is the Colts operation. And I've talked about this before, and I'll continue to talk about this. When you look at the Colts, you got to say, why don't people want to play here? Why did Andrew Luck and his father want out? I saw it for myself in England, walking behind Oliver Luck at halftime when he was on the phone. I don't know who he was talking to, but he was not happy at all with the play calling, with Pagano, with the coddling, with everything. Now, Ryan Grigson the general manager of the Colts when uh, Andrew Luck was here, has told us on this show that, look, Andrew Luck did not want coddling. And that is exactly what happened when Chris Ballard came into the Colts. This became an organization that was far more about PR and far less about accountability. Jimmy Ursay made every general manager except this one put on his wall a saying that Jimmy had, nothing gets in the way of winning. Well, Jimmy Ursay became a PR machine with Chris Ballard. Jimmy Ursay became a social media, a social justice warrior. He had his coach kneel. He had his general manager get in front of us and cry. Hey, look, players will support it, but deep down, you know what players want? Players want to be coached. Players want discipline. Players want accountability. And there is none with the Colts, and the Colts players know it, particularly the good ones. Look, 40 to 53 men on the roster, they don't give a rat. They just want to be on a team and get a paycheck. But when you look at the Colts, you got to say to yourself, why are the good players leaving? Why do they want out? Jimmy Ursay has always had the reputation of taking care of players. Jimmy Ursay, the owner, has always had the reputation of spending. But guess what? Not now. He's not spending. Why? Because the market for Jonathan Taylor dictates that he does not have to, and he certainly does not have to. He did the same thing with Andrew Luck. He did not extend Andrew Luck into year five of his deal, of his rookie deal, when he had to. Now, he paid luck off at the end, but that's a totally different deal. Then you go to Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers, nice quarterback, 11 and seven, 11 and 5, whatever they were, pretty good job. He had a chance to come back on another $25 million deal after playing one year on a $25 million deal. He said, no, I'm going to retire. I'll go coach football, but look what happened with Phillip Rivers. Philip Rivers, it is rumored, it is alleged, it is said that he was going to come back and play football for the San Francisco 49ers if they made it to the Super Bowl. So Philip Rivers wasn't totally done. It wasn't over for Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers was going to come back. He didn't want to play for the Colts. Naheem Hines didn't want to play for the Colts. Uh, Stephon Gilmore didn't want to play for the Colts. He begged, borrowed Steele to get out of here after one year. Matt Ryan didn't want to come back. They didn't want him. That's different, I know, but still somewhat the same. These are players of substance. And now 
You got arguably the best running back in the league who has never been a problem in any point in his career uh, going back to grade school. This was all put out there last year. How Jonathan Taylor, when he missed a Colts practice, had never missed a practice, had never done anything other than show up, go to work, be great. Next day, show up, go to work, be great. In the NFL, they call it stacking days, and nobody stacked days better than Jonathan Taylor. That's the real issue here for the Colts. Why do the Colts players of substance not want to play for the Colts? Why do they want to get out of here? You answer me that, Colts fans, and I'm going to give you the answer. A few years back, I told you this. The freaking right, oh, excuse me, left guard, Quentin Nelson, MFs, as a rookie, the general manager on the field. You got to get me better players to play against. And the general manager was stupid enough to think that was good. Okay, you can say that's good to say face with a fawning media, but players know. I always tell you this. Players know. Hey, Q, man, you just MF'd the general manager. Whoa, that's strong, brother. And that lessens the authority. That lessens the respect. That lessens everything for the general manager, particularly when he goes out and tries to cover by saying, I like that. The Colts had, and I've always said this, hang on here, had it going okay. I'm not saying it was great, but Ryan Grigson never had a losing season. And when they got rid of Grigson and they got rid of Pagano, excuse me, back up. When they got rid of Grigson and kept Pagano because Colts fans love Chuck Strong, Chuck Stay, Chuck battled cancer, beat cancer. It was a great story. And everybody, wait, Chuck! You know how many games they won without Ryan Grigson? Four. When Ryan Grigson walked out of the building, 35-year NFL defensive coach, defensive coordinator Rick Venturi said toughness walked out of the building with him. So you wonder why players leave, real players. You wonder why it's a team in disarray. Now, what's Jonathan Taylor going to do? Who the hell knows? Trade market, maybe. All right, let's walk through. I'm Jonathan Taylor's agent. Hey, Philadelphia Eagles, you want a piece of Jonathan Taylor? Sure. You got any tape of him running? Well, he can't run. Huh? Uh, Isn't Jonathan on pup? Yeah, he's on pup. What? what, Okay, we'll give you a six-round draft choice. Well, Colts aren't going to go for that. Well, the guy averaged a yard less per uh, per scrimmage, or, or excuse me, per carry last year. He got hurt, hasn't been back. Seems to be a bit of a malcontent right now. Why am I trading for that? When's he on on the field? Let's get rid of all the other stuff if I'm a general manager. Okay, agent man. When's he on the field? Well, you know, uh, he he could be on the field tomorrow. Well, why isn't he? Well, uh, well, what does he want money-wise? Well, he wants fair market value. Okay. Fair market value says $10 million, $11 million. Well, he wants $14. Well, that's not fair market value. I mean, there is no leverage here for Jonathan Taylor. Now, maybe there is as the season goes on. And see, I think the Colts actually, in this case, are pretty smart. I think the Colts are saying, go find your deal. And what they're actually doing is telling Jonathan Taylor, you're going to find out that you got a pretty good situation here. You're going to find out that this deal here is about as good as it gets. That's the real deal. Now, you say to me, well, Colts need him more than other teams. And you're right. But really, let's be honest, what are the expectations for the Colts this year? 
What really are they? I mean, last year the Colts tanked, and apparently the minute they got Saturday, Jeff Saturday, as the interim coach, it was a tank job. I didn't think it was. I thought, hey, these guys are pros, but when you blow a 33-point lead, it's a tank job. It just is. All right. So maybe they're doing it again. Maybe they want to say, hey, look, we're going to fight. We're going uh, to draft the quarterback, Anthony Richardson. We are going to play him. We are going to lose. Doesn't matter whether Jonathan Taylor plays or not. In fact, without Taylor, we may lose a game or two more. We'll get ourselves a draft choice, and we're building for the future. Peyton Manning, 3-13 and 13 his first year. Building for the future. I see that with the Colts. But do not think for a second. Don't think for a second that this isn't a bigger deal than what it is. All right. Donald Trump apparently is going to be hit with a $200,000 bond, which means if you pay 10%, he is going to have to put in $20,000 of his own money. That's right. I said it. $20,000 of his own cash is going in. That's it. 20K. So here we are, our president... And the real president, if you want to know the truth, I mean, look, or the guy who could, should be president, has got to go $20,000 in Georgia, and this whole thing is a mess. We're going to have Tommy Lahren on to talk about this, what it means, the, the implications of it, the whole deal. Apparently, there's going to be a mugshot. It's all going to go down today. Hey, I'm going to get into Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh, ladies and gentlemen, was suspended by his own school. Now, I want you to think about this. Jim Harbaugh was suspended by his own school for three games. All right, what was Jim Harbaugh suspended for? Let's talk about it. Jim Harbaugh broke rules. Jim Harbaugh evaluated, went to see kids during a time when you couldn't go. That's no big deal, Dan. Everyone does it. No, they don't. And if it wasn't a big deal, Jim Harbaugh wouldn't have done it. If it didn't give him an advantage, Jim Harbaugh would not have done it. Period. Well, he bought a kid a cheeseburger. Yeah, well, that ain't the only thing, as the NCAA said. Again, people say, well, he went, he evaluated, he had more coaches, coaching than was allowed. If it wasn't a big deal, he would not have done it. If he was organized with his staff, it wouldn't have happened. If he cared about the NCAA rules, he would have known. And then he wasn't, let's just say, forthcoming, okay? He wasn't forthcoming, which means he lied. Now, Michigan fans, including one that almost got his ass beat coming up to me at a concert on Saturday night, came very close to this little jackass. Uh, Long story short, Michigan fans are saying, oh, it's only about a cheeseburger. Is it really? Is it really only about a cheeseburger? Seems like it's about a little more than that. Seems like it's about a lot more than that. Seems like it's about lying. And that's the worst thing you should, should do when you are a part of an organization or you have superiors to answer to. Now, Harbaugh, as a Michigan coach, feels he doesn't have superiors to answer to. But the bigger issue is this. Michigan just came out and said, our coach is a cheat. Our coach is a liar. That's what they just came out and said. Our coach is a cheat. We agree with the findings. Our coach is a liar. We're going to get ahead of the punishment. That's what the NCAA alleged, and that's what Michigan just admitted to by suspending the man for three games. Now, understand, the three games are Bowling Green. Okay, 
fine. It's not going to be Penn State. It's not going to be Ohio. We all get that. We understand that. That's the way the world works. But, but the bigger issue, and this is the beauty of it, Michigan has always held itself to the Michigan man, the higher standard. A Michigan man, they say. What are you? I'm a Michigan man. Really? Well, the lead Michigan man, the HMFIC of the entire university, Jim Harbaugh, the front man, the Chad Kroger, if you will, is a liar and a cheat. There's your Michigan man. Oh, by the way, Jim Harbaugh is an alumnus. All right, Jolton Joe, Sleepy Joe, Sniffin' Joe, Petty Joe, finally, after 13 days, made his way to Maui. Finally. And he got F you Biden. Yeah, he did. I don't think we can play it. I don't know what we can play or what we can't play. It's a little ambiguous. But I know this. F you Biden. As he was met, he fell asleep in a meeting. He fell asleep. There's this thing where they're trying to honor, and this idiot here is asleep. All right, let's see what Joe Biden had to say. And uh, Mayor Rick uh, Basson, uh, Rick, uh, when we talked on the phone, I never, I, you look like you played uh, in defensive tackle for, uh, I don't know who, but somebody good. But uh, at any rate, I want to thank you for your leadership and this unimaginable, during this unimaginable tragedy. tragedy. To my I don't want to Look at those compare eyes. difficulties, Look at but this guy. we have a little sense, Jill and I, what it's like to lose a home. Years ago, now 15 years ago, I was in Washington doing Meet the Press. It was a sunny Sunday, and lightning struck at home on a little lake that's outside of our home, not a lake, a big pond, and hit a wire and came up underneath our home into the heating ducts, the air conditioning duct. To make a long story short, I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, <laughs> and my cat. But all kidding aside, I watched the firefighters, the way they responded, no, there's an old expression. I grew up right across the street from a fire hall in Claymont, Delaware. Jesus. I mean, the lack of empathy. Who gives a shit about him? I mean, seriously, I'm sorry for swearing, but I mean, he always makes it about himself. He's just an idiot. He has no empathy, heavy dementia, doesn't even know where the hell he is and thinks the whole world revolves around him. He's literally telling people who lost their loved ones, who lost their homes, who lost their property, who lost their businesses about a 20-minute kitchen fire. That's a kitchen fire. And this jackass goes on and on and on about a kitchen fire. It wasn't he almost lost his home. I mean, do a little research. A kitchen fire. That's all it is. And this guy has the audacity to go in front of people who lost their island, their city, their homes, their livelihoods, their relatives, and discuss himself. And I, I can't even, I just, I'm speechless. Every time I see it, I get so pissed off, I can't even tell you. I mean, stupid and arrogant are the worst two things a people can have. If you're smart 
and you're arrogant, you at least know you're arrogant. If you're stupid, like the dude started out last in his class in everything he's ever been. Now let's get that. The dude cheated on his first wife. The dude is stupid. And stupid and arrogant is no way to go through life. It's the deadliest combination. Deadly. Couldn't be a worse combination. And this guy's got it. He's so arrogant and he's so stupid and he's so not out here. And we got to listen to it. We seriously have to listen to this. I thought there was nobody worse that I ever wanted to listen to than uh, George W. Bush. And then Obama came along with his blah, 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 stupid ass stuff. I mean, his idiotic trying to be on the wall, every wall, trying to be smarter than he is, blah, 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 blah. And now we got this. This is just embarrassing. This just just make you mad. This make you mad, and, and, and you got to say to yourself, hold the phone, hang on here. This is horrible. This is a horrible human being speaking to people that have lost everything And this guy is talking about himself, comparing himself. He was so stupid, he stepped off a curb. Now, we're not going to show you the video. He stepped off a curb in front of firefighters after, in Lahaina, after the biggest wildfire in American history, and jokingly said, oh, the ground's hot. Well, no kidding. They just had the biggest wildfire in American history, you idiot. And he thinks he's being clever. And people, kafal, kafal. It's like Peyton Manning. <laughs> he said, huh. He said, huh. I can't believe that guy's so funny and funny. It is amazing to me. It is astounding to me. It angers me to no end, this jackass. This arrogant fool gets up there and represents us. And he don't give a rat's double about you or me. Not even kind of. Not even sort of. He don't care about you, me. If he can't promote it, if he can't uh, profit off it, he don't care. It's a career politician. Hasn't done a damn thing in his life. Other than be a racist clown. Now just a clown. I don't even know if he's racist. Now he's just a clown. It pisses me off to no end. It really does. I could do 30 minutes on this. I could get stuck on this. My distaste for this man. The arrogance, the stupidity, the dementia. Man, I can't wait to talk to Tim Kennedy today. Tim Kennedy's a former MMA fighter uh, who is one of the great patriots in our country. You guys know him. I can't wait to talk to him. I, I, I just, I can't wait. I, I, it's just, you know, it's amazing to me. Let me go back to Trump for a second. You know how many of these thugs that are murdering, robbing, and raping get No bond, no bail. Donald Trump, $200,000 bond. What a banana republic we live in. What a two-tier justice system we live in. It's unbelievable. You know, last thing on these wildfires in Biden, the American people have a right to know what's happened here. How'd they start? Where are the children? Where are the people? How'd they start? Yeah, I know idiots are going to say climate change. Yeah, you believe that. Good for you. How did these things start? I think it's an interesting question. I think it's a damn interesting question. 
All right, let's go. John Angelos is the Orioles' owner. He's been in some trouble because of the whole Kevin Brown thing where he suspended his announcer for I don't even know what. But this is interesting. The hardest thing to do in sports, the Orioles' manager, and they're having a hell of a year, says is to be a small market team. All right, okay. If it's to be a small market team, I'm down with that. That's fine. That's cool. But I think the hardest thing to do in sports is hit a slider. So what's this guy doing? He's raising prices. If I were this guy, let me tell you the first thing I would do if I were an owner. First thing I would do, you see the guy's picture? I would change any picture that anybody ever took of me to smiling. I would smile. He looks like a mafia Don here. He acts like a mafia Don. Hardest thing to do in sports be a small market baseball team, be competitive because everything is stacked against you. Everything. He's right. He's not wrong. We've seen it. But you're also in one of the most crime-ridden cities in the world. No one wants to come from out of town to see Camden Yards anymore because you redid it. It stinks. It's just like every other ballpark. And if you go downtown, you got 17 crackheads and seven guns pulled on you before you even get out of the parking lot. So if I'm this guy and I'm every guy, I am changing every picture that I provide to any media and I'm making it happy because he looks like an angry douchebag. Don't be angry, douchebag. Be happy guy. Being a happy guy is far more fun. It just is. I'm sorry. Uh, Tim Tebow, he's in the news. Uh, Gator Kings, everybody's mad at Gator Swamp Kings. Why? Because, well, you know what? They didn't show enough of Urban Meyer's players getting arrested. Well, that's what you wanted to see? All right. Hey, in Last Dance, they didn't show Michael Jordan stooping everything in the building. They didn't see Michael Jordan and Janet Jackson. They didn't see Michael Jordan and Madonna. I mean, people forget when they wax philosophic on Michael Jordan and how great he is and how he was uh, wanting to fly Madonna out privately that he was married at the time. He had children at the time. I don't know what Lil' Kim was doing, but I know this. There was a couple pro basketball players that are married at the time that Lil' Kim was their special friend. And I don't know if it's Jordan or not, but what I'm going to say to you is uh, well, nobody's clamoring. Nobody's clamoring for Swamp Kings to, or excuse me, for whatever last dance to show Jordan's affairs. Michael Jordan could sit there, look at a thing and make faces and you all go, oh God, he's so competitive. Oh my God. How competitive is Michael? He's the most competitive dude in the world. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, so are <laughs> the Florida Gators. You know, Hey, look, you can't tell me that you're going to get mad at this thing not showing every arrest and giving you great behind-the-scenes footage and Urban Meyer and Tebow commenting on one of the great eras in college football. But you don't care about Michael Jordan? You want to know about Michael Jordan? They should have showed Michael Jordan in gambling hall. They should have showed Michael Jordan gambling his ass off. They should have gone into his father's death in Last Dance, if that's what you want. Or do you want a documentary on what actually happened. Well, Tim Tebow's teammates apparently used to chase him around with naked pictures to test his virginity. Look, the whole thing with football and naked is unbelievable. We've seen it with Northwestern. You football guys and your nakedness, I don't know what to tell you. You know, big fat linemen slapping, uh, soaping up their testicles and their ass and doing things with it. I'll never understand. Running around with naked pictures doesn't test a guy's virginity. What are they thinking? Is, he gonna, is it going to pop up? Is it going to move? I don't know. But it's unbelievable to me. It really is. Hey, we want to see if Tim Tebow's uh, a virgin. We're going to run around with naked pictures? Well, oh, boy. 
I ain't mad. I ain't mad at Oklahoma State's softball coach. Oklahoma State softball coach is pissed. Now, look, we're all supposed to acquiesce to every young 18 to 23-year-old. We're all supposed to kiss their ass. We're seeing it here in Indiana. Indiana fans, oh, my God. Oh, oh. Where do we pay our players? Where do we pay them? Oh, okay. Well, I got to tell you, uh, I wouldn't kiss ass of an 18 to 23-year-old if you paid me $6 million which is what the going rate is for a college basketball coach. But we're supposed to do it. So this guy here, Kenny Gajewski, uh, he a little mad that Kelly Maxwell, one of his star players, decided, hey, look, I'm going to transfer. At first he was cool with it. But then she transferred to Oklahoma. What? She transferred to Oklahoma from Oklahoma State. I think the biggest thing that we're dealing with now with these young kids, and they're still kids, they're still young, is that they just can't get out and kind of see 10 years down the road. What he's talking about is she burnt all her bridges at Oak State. They kind of see what's under their feet. My only disappointment for Kelly is that she went to OU because now she's lost everything that she's ever done. As long as I'm here, it'll be hard for her to come back here. It's just the way it is. I get it. See, my son transferred from Michigan to Ohio State, and there are some slaps that are mad at him, but the coach wasn't mad at him because, frankly, the coach didn't think my son could play. Next thing you know, he's playing 25 minutes on a 15-3 and team that beats Michigan's ass. But anyway, I digress. So he wasn't good enough, so they didn't care. Here, the coach cares because this girl's an All-American, and he's right. But he's also wrong. Sure, he's right as long as he's there. Yeah, he's right. And yeah, there's going to be fans. But you know what happens? For a couple years, you're all happy. You're an Oklahoma State or Oklahoma grad. And then you know what happens life. You get a daughter. You get a husband. You get a wife. You get a son. And next thing you know, Oklahoma State's just another envelope that comes wanting to give you money. And maybe there's a reunion. Hell, in Indiana, Indiana's had in their history, I think I'm eight Final Four teams, which means there's eight Elite Eight teams. Then you can, excuse me, maybe nine Final Four teams. I don't know. And then you can add 1993, that's nine. Then you can add uh, uh, 1984, that's 10. I think there's one more. I think there's like 11. 11 or 12 in their history, Elite Eight teams. I played on one. I coached one. Or excuse me, I captained one. I started on one. There's never been a reunion. There's only 11 in the history of Indiana. There's never been a reunion. And if there was a reunion, I don't know, it's 40 years ago. Depends on what's happening that weekend. Hey, Dan, we want to have a reunion of your 84 team. Oh, yeah, that's great. Uh, When is it? Uh, February 26th. I got to check my schedule. I mean, it's great. You go, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people just can't get away from their college. But this girl, Kelly Maxwell, is an All-American. She's going to go on and play professionally. She can go on to have a family. She can go on to have a job. And, and it's like, yeah, okay. Uh, no, sorry, I can't make the reunion. Hell, I got inducted, I think, into the Indiana Sports Hall of Fame this two weekends ago. And I set up a golf tournament with my son and my nephew. I'm like, thanks for the honor. Goodbye. I mean, who cares? So this guy's saying, well, she can't come back. She undid everything she did. All right. I suppose. I guess. I don't know. Did she really? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Who cares? Man, 
Oh, man, we're all going back to Indiana to hang out. That's cool. Hey, Uwe, you come into town, let's go. Let's go to Knicks, but it ain't going to be about, like, I'm not changing my life's plans. I, I, I hope I made my point. I get it. Some of you are still so tied into your alma mater and your fraternity and all that. It's just not me. So I get what he's saying as long as he's there, but, eh, really? Uh, Richmond, north of Richmond, makes billboard history. It leaps to number one. This is just a little independent song. Oliver Anthony just put it out there, basically defending the working man, and it is Billboard's number one. This song, and the reason it made history, it went from not even, there was nothing here. This guy is like the guy that you see playing at St. Simon Festival. And next thing you know, he has a song that strikes a chord with middle America, that strikes a chord with everybody around. And next thing you know, boom, billboard number one. I'm telling you, I'll continue to tell you, and I hope you understand this. The silent majority is starting to speak, and it's going to speak louder and 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 louder, and and it ain't going to stop. And it should never stop, ever, until we get, I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat, you get in the White House, be for us. I don't care if you're independent. I didn't vote for Biden. I didn't vote for Hillary. I didn't vote for Trump. What has two thumbs and voted for itself? This guy. It's exactly right. So if you don't like it, you don't like it. But we got to have people. We, the silent majority needs to stand up, and it is with Oliver Anthony. Oh, my God, what a picture right there. Anyway, keep standing up. Tim Kennedy stands up. Tim Kennedy is an American freaking hero. Tim Kennedy is what every dude should want to be. You know, Tim Kennedy is an MMA fighter, but Tim Kennedy is also one of the great Americans. You can follow Tim Kennedy at Tim Kennedy MMA, Ranger, Sniper, Special Forces Operator. He was out involved as a civilian in the pullout in Afghanistan, the mess in Afghanistan. It's unbelievable. We got an American patriot that you all know and love. Dude's got like 500,000 Twitter followers. We'll talk to Tim Kennedy next. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Look, there are very few actual American heroes. Tim Kennedy is an American freaking hero. Now, that it, it, let, let me put it to you this way. This guy, as we say about most people of public service, this guy runs in when people are running away. UFC fighter, he's a ranger, he's a sniper. He went to Kabul to help 
with, well, I guess Biden's plan to evacuate. What happened there? You know, hey, Tim, thanks for coming on. You were there. Afghanistan folks, they wanted to get out. They're jumping on planes. Uh, Marine People died. Americans died. I mean, how big a mess was this thing and how culpable was the Biden administration for this? Man, it, it was definitely, you know, I've been in special operations for 20 years. I, uh, I've never seen anything like that. that. That was by far the most horrific, nightmarish scenes. It was straight out of an apocalypse horror movie. Um, and uh, the, the men and women on the ground, the, the Rangers and the Marines and the, and the airmen and the soldiers that were doing extraordinary, I mean, like Medal of Honor type, type acts of trying to rescue people. Um, they're never going to get the recognition that they deserve because, you know, the mainstream media, they don't want to talk about it. Um, it's obviously not a, a topic that wants to be brought up at a press conference by by anybody that's currently in the administration. Um, you know, this was this was such a horrific moment in American history. It's something that we should never forget. And it's something that we should absolutely be talking about. But it, it's it was and it was bad. How frustrating is it? for you that you can't talk about it or it won't be talked about. You don't hear Senate committees. You don't see anybody in the mainstream media digging into any of this when American lives were lost. Yeah, it, man, it, it rubs me real raw. You know, the um, Abby Gate in just a few days from now will be the, sec- the two-year anniversary from a bunch of young, brave men and women that were in uniform with the flag on their shoulder doing the thing that was asked of them. And they're, they're put in a position to do something that not only got them killed and got them wounded, but you know, it was ineffective, um, you know, for, for us to say, Hey, we're going to give the Taliban the strategic positions in Afghanistan as we move back to a tiny little base that we do not secure because the Taliban has the outer perimeter um, they control egress and and it on and off the base. Like that that's all terrible. But even worse is, you know, the Department of State, for example, comes out with their AAR. You know, it's it's a review and act after action review of all the things that they did wrong, all the things that they did right. And and what it effectively was was scapegoating. Like they're passing blame. You know, they were there's no ownership of responsibility. There's no leadership to say, hey, this is what should have happened. This is what we tried to do. This is how we failed. This is what we'll do better next time. That that moment still hasn't happened. Nobody has said, man, we made these mistakes. Here's what we've changed. And um, and th- that is a terrible precedent to set for young men and women looking about as we're facing a recruiting crisis about what leadership in the military looks like. Tim, not only did nobody step up and say they failed on the anniversary, the two-year anniversary, Joe Biden stood up there, yelled at the American people, daring us to, to name anything that his administration has screwed up. And everybody that has any sense at all immediately pointed to what happened in Kabul. Yeah, you know, and, and they, they keep pointing back to the Doha agreement that was signed by President Trump. You know, like, oh, you know, it's... Trump's fault that we had to evacuate on this timeline. The Doha agreement was explicitly clear about the requirements that the Afghan um, government and the Taliban had to abide, neither of which happened. So there there is no onus on us to start this evacuation on any accelerated timeline. Um, And even more catastrophic was the way in which we did so. You know, a NEO, uh, a non-combatant evacuation operation, it is a very clear 
um, and a well-executed and rehearsed mission that special operations mission, missions all, units all over the, the United States practice. That never happened. You know, what we had was Department of State doing a catastrophic evacuation. That was chaos. That was anarchy. You know, when we have somebody stand up in front of Americans say, I didn't see any chaos. I didn't see any anarchy. Dude, we saw people falling from airplanes out of the sky, and we saw little children in Constantino wire. Like, now, now, now you're being insulting. You know, now you're literally mocking the lives that were sacrificed and lost by saying that there wasn't a suicide bomber at the Abbey Gate on August 26th. You know, that it wasn't necessary for a bunch of veteran operations to go in and help the American government with the evacuation, like Save Our Allies, the organization that I'm with. You know, that is just so disingenuous and insulting, quite frankly. That's the problem. See, to me, Tim, that's the problem. It's so disingenuous. It's so ridiculous. That makes it incredibly insulting. That's the timeline on this when you just try to BS us, particularly a guy like you that knows exactly what he's talking about. Yeah, it's bad. Um, and I, I think the American people are are seeing through all that now. Um, yeah, you know, I... I, I you can throw as many stones as you want at where we are as the American people. Um, you know, the we, the people should be the most feared sentence in the, in, in the world. Cause just like the Japanese realized when they bombed Pearl Harbor and they woke the sleeping giants, we, the people are the scariest thing ever. And we, the people are just flat out sick of being lied to. We, the people are, are sick of being manipulated and divided and, um, you know, when you go up there and say, uh, you know, I didn't see anything happening there in Afghanistan. I didn't see anything that we did wrong uh, with the withdrawal out of out of uh, Kaya. Um The American people just lean back and be like, all right, another another tab. You only lie to us so often before finally we're just done with it. You know, hey, Tim, now we've got a president that took 13 days to get out to Maui. We've seen the devastation. He thinks it's cute to make jokes. He fell asleep at a banquet honoring him. He spoke gibberish and spoke about himself and a little kitchen fire that was out uh, in 20 minutes at his house and compared it. I think the American people are tired of that. What's your take on what is, what is transpiring over in Maui and West Maui? I mean, I, I, um, my heart is breaking for the people on Maui. In Lahaina, that I've personally been there. I was supposed to be there this week. It is an, I mean, it is indescribable how beautiful that place was. Right now, it looks like a war zone. You know, there, there's there might be a thousand. This is the the most catastrophic natural disaster in American history. We have lost more people in this fire, and you know, nobody's talking about it. We have people that are that are jumped into the ocean and swam out to sea to not burn alive. You know, this is on epic proportions to 9-11. You know, we lost 2,300 people on 9-11. We're, we're, they're talking about 1,000-plus people burnt alive and on, on American soil. You know, it took a couple of weeks for a leader to step up and uh, – our leader to step up and say, hey, this is what we're going to do. Here's $700, you know, as corporations like BlackRock and Vanguard are trying to come in and buy land there that are directly inhibiting – the locals from getting resources to start building their homes and start starting their lives over. This stinks so bad. This is so evil what is happening. And it's mostly um, trying to be 
silenced. It's being censored. You know, the people on that island are having a really difficult time talking about what is happening there. You know, let me, people get mad, all right, about things, but you and I have just talked for about five, ten minutes here, and we've talked about how what is told to us is very rarely, if ever, real. You talk about, you know, I don't think it's any, I don't know, conspiracy theory to want to know how did these fires start, why did these fires start, why did the Maui... Uh, guy in charge of water, wait five hours to give water. What happened here, I think, is reasonable to ask instead of just saying, well, it's climate change, which is what people want to go with. Um, it, what you want to go with is is never the thing that you should go with. You know, you, you should be always looking for truth in anything that you're talking about, especially when there's loss of American lives. And when we look at too many inconsistencies and coincidences about the Maui fire, there, there's no way that a reasonable person is going to look at all of the coincidences. You know, the, the most advanced siren system in the United States exists on those islands, never turned on. You know, people being told to go back to their home as they're busting tourists out. You know, at the large corporations coming in and trying to buy privately owned land and that land then burning. And now they're going back to try to buy that for pennies on the dollar from the people that wouldn't sell it to them. First of all, whoever's doing that, you are evil, but more importantly, the people there deserve to know the truth and we're in, and it feels like something stinks like a lie again. That's what I'm saying. I mean, if it smells bad, it's probably bad. I mean, that's just the way I have learned, and I know you have learned, that this whole thing goes. If it smells bad, it is bad. Give me your thoughts on what's going First time in my life, full disclosure, I, I, I don't want to pay taxes. I've always been okay with paying taxes. But now I see where my tax money goes, particularly to the Ukraine, and I hear a president say that America first makes us weaker. I don't want to pay him. I'm going to. I did. But give me your thoughts on what this administration is doing relative to the Ukraine. Man. The American people, um, I'm not sure if you've heard the, the, the new song, Richmond North of Richmond. Um, if you, oh, yeah. if you haven't, Dan, you got it. You have? Oh, yeah. That, that, that song, it just hits to the core of the frustrations of the American people. You know, they're, um, they're, they're sick and tired of being manipulated and divided, but, the, but we're also being taxed. You know, I'm, I'm living in a home that I paid for with money that I paid taxes on. As I own this home, I have to pay the government taxes to live here. The, you know, as the money that I'm paying in taxes to live in the house that I'm paying taxes on to live in, is is being paid for by income tax off of money that I'm paying for and corporate taxes off the companies that I started with money that I taxed. I was already taxed on. You know, they're taxing us into oblivion. They're forcing the middle class to bear a burden that just is not real or fair. And then the way that they're spending money, not on American people, when you're spending you know, billions of dollars to go fight in something that, you know, when you look at how the poor, man, I love America. We have really, and I love the constitution and I love the way that the founding fathers created checks and balances within the government. If you want to go fight a war, well, go to Congress, ask them to declare war, and then get funding under under Title Ten. That's the way that it works. 
But instead, we're using all sorts of shady money through budgets that is that is insincere and disingenuous to the American people. And quite frankly, it's they're lying to us yet again about how they're spending the money that they're overtaxing us with. So, man, it it um it makes me angry. It really does. I, you know, again, I understand we got to help. I understand that's the system we have, but I'm being taxed everywhere I look. And, you know, it, it, fine, if it's going to go to schools, if it's going to go to roads, if it's going to go to help America, great. But, damn, when I see billions and billions, and you mentioned it earlier, uh, $700 per family going to Maui, like that's some grand gesture, grand gesture from the emperor to, you know, the proletariat. It seems bullshit to me if you want to know the truth. Yeah, it's – um, I, I, I can't just – I can't describe how frustrating that is to see my brothers and sisters that I served with, you know, struggling with mental health, struggling with homelessness, um, falling behind on credit book card bills, not being able to deal with the 9% inflation, you know, now the 7.3% interest rates on new homes, you know, the home that costs $500,000 today is you're going to pay $480,000 in interest on that home, making that home valued around a million dollars. The interest is going to be more than the home is actually worth with current interest rates. When the dollar has lost 17 cents of its value in one year, and then you're going to be like, ah, hey, listen, um, there's this thing that we want to ship billions of dollars to overseas, but we're all the while we're not going to even care about taking care of the Americans here that have served their country that are homeless and on the street. Come on now. What's next for you? Oh, that's a hard question. Um, uh, you know, I'm still working with Saber Allies, um, the Independence Fund. We are working tirelessly to try to help as many people as we can. Um, I still train as if I was uh, going to be stepping into the octagon tomorrow. Um, and uh, you know, like my my company is Apogee. We just launched an affiliate. It's a, it's a private school with online mentorship. And um, we opened it up to open affiliates all over the United States. And, you know, we have 300 that are that are going to be opening this year as we are disrupting education so we can reimagine what education should look like. As I think parents have realized that the public schools are not the best place for their kids to learn. Um, we are we're man, we're trying to shake it up and try to bring America back to what it's supposed to be. Tim, keep doing it, man. I hope you'll come back. Thank you. Yep, my pleasure. Thank you. Just got off a flight. Nice enough to join us. I, I got to tell you, I, I never was an outspoken political person, but this shit just drives me crazy. I, it just does. I, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, and it is very, very fair to ask how these wildfires start. It's very, very fair to ask where the hell was the president for the last 13 days. He never went to, to East Palestine, Ohio, and we seem to just be okay with it. Legacy media just seems to walk along with it. And then yesterday he insulted everybody in Maui by talking about a 10 or 20 minute kitchen fire that he had where nobody was even remotely close to being hurt. Uh, and he's comparing it to people losing their lives. He's comparing, uh, can we play the video again of Biden talking about uh, his struggles with fire? He's got struggles, but they ain't with fire. Here's Joe Biden addressing the good folks of Maui and the media stay silent on it because the media is just in pocket with this idiot. I don't want to 
compare difficulties, but, but we I'm have a little to. sense, Jill and I, what it's like to lose a home. Years ago, now 15 years ago, I was in Washington doing Meet the Press. It was a sunny Sunday, and lightning struck at home on a little lake that's outside of our home, not a lake, a big pond, and hit a wire and came up underneath our home into the heating ducts, the air conditioning duct. To make a long story short, I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, <laughs> and my cat. But all kidding aside, I watched the firefighters, the way they responded. You know, there's an old expression. I grew up right across the street from a fire hall in Claymont, Delaware. And the expression. I, 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 I grew up in a fire. Where this guy grew up everywhere. He just grew up everywhere. He grew up in a black community. He went to church. And what a foolish shit asshole. I mean, I'm sorry. Delete that out. But that's all I can tell you. I mean, you're sitting there and you've lost everything that you have. And this guy's telling you about, oh, I don't know. A little kitchen fire. Really? We had a little kitchen fire, but that compares to <coughs> to what it is that you all are doing. Oh, okay. My God. I mean, look, uh, it, vote Democratic, vote Republican, but get this guy away from us. Get this creepy, pe- uh, just get him away. Make him go away. Just get him out of office. Just, just go. Just go do your thing as an old guy. You know, have a debate, whether it's Newsom or DeSantis or Trump. I I don't care, but just get somebody in there that doesn't consistently insult us. Seriously. Just don't. Just, 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 just don't. All right? All right? Uh, You know, I, I look at all this and I go, are you insane? Are we insane? I'm sorry. I just, I can't get over it. Uh, man, how about ESPN radio? ESPN radio used to be must listen to when I was out of coaching first day I told, I told, um, Bowling Green, look, you don't want me. I don't want you. I'm not asking for an extension. I've been here 10 years about the shelf life for me. Uh, let's just come to agreement, pay me until July and we're gone. Okay, fine. That was in March. The next day, I turned on the radio. It was a beautiful day. I went outside, and I mulched. And I had ESPN radio on the entire day. I believe then it started with Mike and Mike, and then it went to Cowherd. But what I really enjoyed was Tony Kornheiser. I loved listening to Kornheiser in my office during the day while I was doing my work, getting ready for practice, whatever it was. Uh, ESPN I got the opportunity to host Mike and Mike a few times. I got the opportunity to host a show in the afternoon by myself. I got the opportunity to be on Coward, to be on different things. ESPN was rolling. Now ESPN has said, screw it. We don't even care about radio. That's what happens when you make a diversity hire like Dave Roberts to oversee everything. It goes in the toilet. You hire the best people. So Roberts comes in. And now look at this lineup of slaps that we have. Raise your hand if you know who Chris Canty is. Raise your hand. Come on. Come on. Come on. Raise your hand. If you know Chris Canty, you don't know Chris Canty. You may know Chris Canty from, oh, I don't know, being on uh, Mike and, not Mike and Mike, being on one of these shows. 
But I got to tell you, nobody knows any of these people. They have decided ESPN, which was once a mammoth moneymaker. Mammoth. I mean, massive. So you've got Chris Canty, Evan Coleman, and this lady Solomon is small man. It's pretty good. You'll like her. She used to be with Bernie Miklitz in St. Louis. You'll like her. Carlin and Forgerberg. Chris Carlin and Joe Fortenberg. Freddie Coleman, who's America's nicest guy, and Harry Douglas, Amber Wilson, E.S. Fitzsimmons, I like. And then you got Grandmaster Q or some kind of dude. There is no chance anybody's listening to this. There is no chance anybody recognizes this. And it's sad because you know what? You'd like to turn your radio on and you'd like to say, hey, I like a little sports talk. You know, I mean, in Indy, we don't have sports talk. We have sports pandering. And that's going to change in a little bit. But the fact of the matter is, that's all we got. So that's ESPN Radio. So do yourself a favor. Outkick's where it's at. ESPN has said, screw it. We don't care. Hey, this is bad news. This is before we get to break. And by the way, Tommy joins us. Tommy Lahren joins us. And did you see that Outkick is coming to Prime Saturday night, 10 o'clock? I'm sorry, Sunday night. There's more coming. I hope they let me be involved in it. I do because I want to be involved in everything. I told Clay yesterday, I'm in on everything. Anything anybody wants to do, I am in on, period. Don't at me. I want in because this, ladies and gentlemen, is some fun stuff because you get to actually speak. Uh, Some golfer, PGA golfer named Eric Compton, got arrested for throwing his wife against the wall. He allegedly threw his wife against the wall. He was arrested on felony and misdemeanor charges following a domestic incident. He lives in uh, Miami-Dade. When a wife took out her phone to record the incident, he grabbed it and threw it into the pool. He grabbed his wife by the shoulder and threw her into the wall. Wife sustained some bruises. Wife left for a friend's house and called the cops. He got an attorney, Compton did. They arre- uh, there you go. They arrested Compton on, listen to this, strong-arm robbery and a misdemeanor battery. So by taking the phone, that's strong-armed robbery. Wow. He's been in two events this year. All right. Okay. Guess where he played? Georgia. Shocking. If you went to Georgia, chances are you're going to get arrested. You know what I mean? He received... He had viral cardiopathy, two heart transplants. He received the Ben Hogan Award for, uh, listen to this, being active in golf while playing with a handicap. So he allegedly, what do I tell you, folks? What do I tell you? Your wife's mad at you. She's screaming at you. Your life partner's mad. Whatever. Mad at you. Put your hands in your pockets. Go into the bathroom. And lock the door. Let her yell. Let her scream. If you are yelling and screaming, if you are mad, yell and scream in the bathroom with the door locked, with your hands in your pockets. That's what you should do. That's where it's at, ladies and gentlemen, right there. Don't touch, grab, throw. Don't do anything with the phone. Put your hands in your pocket. Let me explain this to you. Let, let, me, let me just explain something to you, okay? May I? 
Wouldn't you much rather wake up the next day? Because chances are you're a little bit hammered. Wouldn't you rather wake up the next day in your own bed having to apologize for yelling, not hitting, than, oh, I don't know, wake up the next day in a jail cell or have a, I don't know, mugshot posted all over the world and know, even more importantly than all of this, that you hit your wife? I can't imagine waking up knowing that I hit my wife. I cannot imagine that. I can't imagine saying, oh, man, I hit my wife. Do you know, I feel bad about everything, everything, everything that I do, everything that I say, at some point in the middle of the night, I wake up and feel bad about it. I do. Uh, For me, it's called Catholic guilt, raging. Like, I didn't have it for a long time. Now I have it. I couldn't imagine waking up and, man, I hit my wife. Can't imagine. I I just can't. We'll be right back. Tommy's going to join us. Tommy Lloyd, we got to talk about this Trump thing, this Biden thing. We got a lot to talk with Tommy about. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, you know her, you love her, and you're going to get to see more of her. Sunday night, Outkick the Show debuts, primetime Fox News. Tommy and Clay and Charlie and a cast of thousands cannot wait. Tommy joins us now. Hey, we got a president that's going to have to post a $200,000 bond in Indiana. That means it's going to be twenty grand out of his pocket. I don't like what I'm seeing here, and I hope we impeach or do whatever we got to do to this attorney general in Georgia. Yeah, you know, Dan, this is going to be, you know, a hard-fought battle. But I think also, you know, now we're trying to undo damage that probably could have, you know, been taken care of long ago. And this is part of the thing that people don't, you know, understand is that all elections are local. All elections are, are state elections. That's what really matters to the American people. And these activist DAs, you know, these activists that we put in charge, we put them in charge. We, we don't care about their elections. They get in office and then we wonder, you know, why this happens and why everything is weaponized. Well, you know, it would have been nice if we could have prevented this, you know, before it happened instead of now trying to figure out how to undo it. But here we are. Um, 
Jason Whitlock made an interesting point. He made the point that the common denominator here is African-American women doing the prosecuting, which gives Democrats cover because if you say anything, you then, of course, are racist and misogynist, of course. Uh, is there any validity to that? Well, I mean, I think maybe in, in a couple instances that, that could be true. Uh, certainly in Georgia and Fulton County with Fannie Willis, that would be the case. But, you know, you also got Jack Smith, and it's very male and very white. So, uh, you know, the, I think that that in a lot of cases when they're getting elected, you've got a lot of DAs, you've got, you know, a lot of mayors, you've got a vice president that skates around you know, their poor job performance by using their gender and their skin color. But I think this is just a much deeper problem. And it goes back to George Soros, who's funding a lot of these races and, and getting these people elected. And I don't think it, it has really a lot to do with their skin color or their gender and more about that Soros money that's being funneled in to these activists, whether they're DAs or, or politicians. I mean, these are the people that are getting elected and there's a lot of left wing money that's coming in to make it happen. And unfortunately, you know, we sit back and, and we don't pay attention to these races and we don't make ourselves competitive. And then, you know, what we're seeing right now happen is happening. And we try to figure out and label it anything we want. But the damage has been done. So we better get our election strategy together and figure it out moving forward. Otherwise, all we're going to do is sit here and bitch and moan about it. And that's all the problem. Hey, let me ask you. Um we just got a new uh, Republican, or we, we our old Republican chair uh, here in Indiana just resigned. Is that who you're pointing to when you say figure it out? Those are the guys, the guys that at the state level are running the Republican Party? You know, the whole RNC. You know, we've got Ronna McDaniel, who has been, you know, essentially ineffective. Uh, she really has. I mean, maybe back during, you know, the first Trump presidency, she did some good things, but now she's just really been ineffective. And it starts at the top. It starts with your leadership. So that's part of it. But, you know, I, I lived in a lot of states where the Republican Party didn't do much. Right. So in California, Republican Party didn't do much because they didn't figure that they could make an impact or they could make a change. Well, yeah, they can. And that's part of the problem is that a lot of Republicans, they like to do fundraisers. They like to raise money. But when it comes to spending the money on races that matter to their constituents, for some reason, that doesn't seem to be a priority. So that's, that's going to be a big problem moving forward in how we're spending those dollars and what our grassroots efforts look like. And unfortunately, right now, it feels like Republicans don't have their heads in the game when it comes to election strategy. And that's just all encompassing. And it's a big problem that the big R is going to have to face for years to come. Unfortunately, we're behind the times. When you look at when when you look at the upcoming debates um, without Donald Trump, how much will they matter, and what are you expecting to hear from the candidates? You know they matter a lot. Uh, tomorrow night's going to matter, and it's going to matter to the American people. So I've been very vocal about this. A lot of Trump supporters really don't like when I say this, but you know I'm disappointed he's not going to show up, and he also has implied that he's not going to show up to any debate citing that he's so far ahead in the polls and he's got such a good record that, you know, why should he have to? Well, I would remind Donald Trump, the best president of my lifetime, that this is not a coronation, it's a nomination. So I would like to see Donald Trump show up and speak to the American people. You know, Dan, we all know this. He had a great presidency. There's not a lot to complain about. But that last seven months there, you know, uh, a little shaky. 
the last seven months there where we had lockdowns that lasted in some places for years, where we had mandates, where we had, you know, Lord Fauci being put on a pedestal. I have a little uh, a little bit of problem with that. And I have some questions and I would like to see Donald Trump answer for that time period. And I think part of the reason he's not showing up is because he doesn't want Governor Ron DeSantis to ask him about it and to drill him on it. And that's just not fair. You know, you, you can't escape the hard questions just because you're up in the polls, because the reason that Donald Trump is largely up in the polls is because he's been indicted four times. And whereas, you know, we both are very upset about those indictments. I don't think that's enough to make him my nominee, just simply that he's been indicted four times. I'd like to see a little more. I'd like to see him work for my vote. You know, it's not just given to him because he was a great president. He's still got to work for it. I agree. I, that's one of the reasons, you know, I, and I look back on it, maybe it was silly, but I didn't vote for Biden. I didn't vote for Trump and I did not vote for Hillary because I didn't think any of them earned my vote. Now, I would like to have Trump earn it, but the one thing he's got to answer for, and we're seeing it possibly coming back again, it looks like there is a, uh, I don't know, election variant of the uh, COVID virus coming around because they're starting to discuss lockdown, starting to discuss mask wearing. Um, I'm not doing it. I assume you're not either. If somebody tells me to wear a mask, I'm just not going to do it, and I'll deal with the consequences. Yeah, you know, maybe never be dumb enough to be compliant little sheep people, sheeple, as I call them, ever again. You know, we knew that they were going to do this, though. We knew that they were going to pull this. You know, maybe we thought it was going to be something else, but I guess COVID had great branding, so why not continue with it? Uh, and again, this is going to be something that we're going to wrestle with for as long as it takes for us to finally put our foot down. Uh, they were very successful in controlling us for, you know, two plus years. So why wouldn't they bring it back? That's that's a big part of the problem here. I will never be wearing a face diaper ever again. Not going to happen. I hope my fellow Americans are are with you and I on that. And we're not going to fall for it this time. Is it right to say, all right, I'm not believing that these are just wildfires started by climate change or indiscriminately. It seems, I don't know, um, it seems like everything that transpires with this particular administration, and maybe every administration, look, I, 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 I don't believe the government at all anymore. Is it right to dig in deeper on this? It's an obligation to dig in deeper, deeper on this, is it not? Well, it certainly is. And, you know, whether there's conspiracy theories about how it started, I mean, I, I don't know how it started. I'm not there. Don't know. But I do know that the response was horrific. So that at least there, there is something there to be discussed. And, you know, the president, when he visited finally yesterday, the people of Lahaina, the people of Maui, they were not happy. And they were lining the roads with signs that were not very kind to uh, the big guy, Joe Brandon, there. So I think the people are, are really kicked off about the response. And you know, there's been a lot of discussion about the water and taking five hours to release the water, reportedly because they were worried about indigenous plants in some cases. So you know, this is going to be something that we need to keep hammering on. You know, I would still like to see some answers on East Palestine, Ohio. The president has never visited there. Uh, you know, at least he visited Maui. He still has not gone to visit those people in Ohio that very well might have lights growing out of their ears at some point. So it's just a matter of where his priorities are. You know, they gave George W. Bush so much flack. It was such a big scandal with Katrina. And what Joe Biden is doing with not only Maui, but East Palestine, Ohio, far worse. And I'm not seeing the same outrage, but I think it's important that we keep pressing on it because those people deserve 
more answers of their president and certainly of their local officials who dropped the ball, to say the least. Tommy, who are you interested in? Uh, who are you interested in in these debates? Is there anybody that you, you think, let me go back to that just for a second. Is there any intrigue here from a particular candidate? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm very excited to see what Ron DeSantis brings to the table tomorrow night. I have high hopes. I think as much as I think Trump should show up, um, I'm actually a little bit glad that he's not. Because we're actually going to talk about policy and the American people. We haven't done that for the last six months. You know, we've only been talking about indictments, whether it's Joe Biden and his schemes or Donald Trump being indicted four times. We really haven't talked about the American people and the vision for the future of our country. So I'm excited to see what these candidates have to say. You know, there's none that I'm really interested in outside of Ron DeSantis, but I'm very interested to see how Ron DeSantis is going to take on the rest. Because without Trump in the room, they're all going to be gunning for him. And we'll see how he performs. I think he's going to have a chance to have some big moments without Trump there. And I'm very interested to see if he seizes those moments and he makes the comeback in the polls. I think it's entirely possible. Does Ramaswamy interest you at all? Here's the deal. I I like him. I've worked with him before on Fox News. He's been on panels before. I've had him on my show on Outkick. You know, I, I like the guy. I really do. I like some of his ideas. But to me, it's just not its not a serious candidacy. I think that his main goal is to raise his name ID and to derail Ron DeSantis and make it easier for Donald Trump. In fact, he has hinted at that more than once. So, you know, an interesting character, maybe fun to watch, fun to listen to. But is he a serious contender for my vote? No, not in the least. Great guy. Hope he stays in the party and does some good things. But I'm really only interested at this point in Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. Is there anything that Chris Christie or Mike Pence can do to ignite their campaigns? <laughs> um, they're better off just starting them on fire, to be honest. No, I neither, neither have a chance. Now, and I think that they know that. I, I think maybe Mike Pence might be delusional enough to think he can peel off some people, but he's just not well-liked by anyone. Chris Christie, I don't think that he actually believes that he can get the nomination or the presidency. I think his main goal is to hammer Trump and to be the person that's not afraid to take on Trump because he doesn't really care if Trump supporters don't like him. So, you know, and that's interesting to me. And whereas I don't like Chris Christie and I don't like his approach, I do think that because Trump's not showing up, you know, Chris Christie is going to have the opportunity to hammer at Trump's record and he's going to be able to do it without fear of pissing Trump voters off. So, you know, he might have a lot to say tomorrow night and it could be very interesting. Again, my eyes are on Ron DeSantis and how he responds. Is he going to defend Trump? Is he going to pile on Trump? I don't know. I think he's probably going to go more the defense route because he needs Trump supporters. So we'll have to wait and see. I think it's going to be very interesting between those two, especially when Trump isn't even going to show up. Well, last thing before I let you go. So let's say that you are advising Christie or you are advising any of these guys. How much, how much do you make it about Trump? No, I don't think that you make it about Trump, but I do think that you lay out that Trump had a fantastic presidency but I, I do think it's important for these candidates, and none of them, like I said, none of them really matter to me, so I don't care. Ron DeSantis. What Ron DeSantis needs to do is he needs to say, listen, I am the policies of Donald Trump without the indictments, 
without the legal problems, without the chaos, without the circus. I'm going to do what Trump did, and I'm going to go further than Trump, but I'm not going to do it from a prison cell. And I think that's going to be his best argument, and I hope that he makes it. It's not about attacking Trump, but it's about stating the obvious. It's going to be very hard for Donald Trump to win a general election with four indictments and half the country that detests him. Ron DeSantis has to make that point. He's got to walk a very fine line, but it's possible that he can do it. Based on where we were and based on the fact that Fauci was the top health you know, czar in the country, is it fair to criticize Donald Trump for bringing in Fauci? So on the outset, I don't think so. On the outset, nobody knew what COVID was. Nobody knew what this was going to do. You know, we were seeing images from China where people were just falling over dead. So it was a scary thing at the beginning. But the fact that he held on to Fauci for so long, especially when Fauci was flip-flopping, when he was talking about masking and then not masking and then double masking, the fact that Trump held on to him for so long, that is a question for me. That does piss me off. He does need to answer for that, and he can't get around it. And I think that's why he doesn't want to show up in debate. But there's a lot of things. You know, I think Trump had a very uh, hard hand dealt to him with COVID, but I think he should have pushed to reopen the country faster. I think he should have pushed back against the mandates. And I still have a lot of still a lot of questions about, you know what, that he pushed that we can't talk about, but I want to talk about. Um, and, I, you know, we can't really discuss it much because the senators are listening. But we have questions on that, and he needs to answer for it. Tommy, can't thank you enough. I appreciate you always coming on with us. And have a great show to, to Thursday, and have a great show on Sunday. It's going to be fun watching. Thanks so much, Dan. We appreciate you. You got it. That's the great Tommy Lyon. Look, I, I'm, I'm with Tommy. I want Trump to show up. People are saying to me, well, you know, and you can see Tommy Lyon is fearless because, well, she is, damn it. You can see here, her right here all over the OutKick Network. And, of course, on Fox News, she's always on. She and Charlie and Clay, they're just doing a great job. Our, our little uh, outfit here is growing into a national power, maybe the most respected of all sites to get your news, sports, weather, whatever you want. I'll give you the weather. It's 100 degrees outside. You want weather on the 10s? I'll give you weather on the 10s. It's going to be 100 degrees outside, and i got to play golf. i got a tough life, ladies and gentlemen, at 6 o'clock. Big men's league tonight. But anyway, I digress. I did not vote for Trump. I did not vote for Biden. I did not vote for Hillary because they didn't earn my vote. And if Trump is going to earn my vote this time, he's going to have to do it by explaining, as Tommy said, the COVID era of his presidency. Why did he hang on to Fauci? But here's the other thing. Somebody's going to have to, in my mind, beat Trump to get my vote. Like right now, I would vote for Trump and I would vote for Trump, period. I wouldn't even think about voting for anybody else. That's just the way it is right now for me. Now, maybe that changes after the debate tomorrow. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I met Chris Christie. I met him, ironically enough, in a restaurant in South Bend, Indiana, when I was covering Notre Dame against Duke basketball game. His daughter was on the staff as a manager of Mike Bray in Notre Dame. I like Chris Christie. Like, I, don't, I know you can make fun of fat people. I'm fat. I make fun of me all the time. But look, I like Chris Christie. I enjoyed a two-minute conversation that I had with him in a restaurant. I did. I liked his daughter. She came up. She said hello. She was awesome. 
So, you know, Mike Pence is an Indiana guy, seems a little plastic to me, but Mike Pence was a radio host. You know, we have Hammer, uh, Jason Hammer on from Hammer and Nigel. That was the seat Mike Pence was in. He was a radio host for Emma's Communications, WIBC, and then however it all worked out, he ends up and he's the governor and he ends up as a vice president and blah, 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 blah. Pence, actually, we had to sign up to do, uh, you know, Ring the Bell Salvation Army, and I signed up, and Pence signed up to work with me. And I don't know what happened. He, he didn't show because he had to be in Washington. I think it was around the time that, oh, I don't know, you know, he got <coughs> elected to be the vice president. But, hey, I don't know what to tell you. You got to earn my vote. That's why I want him. Bingo. I talked about mugshots earlier today. I talked about Eric Compton and mugshots. We've put together five great celebrity mugshots. Now, the greatest of all mugshots they don't have on here. The greatest of all mugshots is, without question, Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte's mugshot is legendary. Nick Nolte, who starred way back in Rich Man, Poor Man, 48 Hours, uh, I got to know Nick Nolte pretty well for about a 10-day time, as well as you can know a guy. We went out. He drank non-alcoholic beer. Bill Friedkin, rest his soul. He just passed away, the director uh, of Blue Chips. We'd go have beers. We'd go to Nick's. It was fun. I had to tell Nick Nolte one time, if you guys can find Nick Nolte's uh, mugshot, I'm going to stall here for a second. I had to tell Nick Nolte one time, in our locker room at Indiana, you got to take a shower, man. You're stinking up our whole locker room. True story. He would wear the same, same scrubs. Remember when people used to wear hospital scrubs? He would wear the same scrubs every day, and he was, he was trying to study Coach Knight and Coach Knight's mannerisms. So he would sit against the wall where we all sat as assistants while Coach Knight spoke to the team. And then it got stinking, and me and another guy are like, man, it stinks in here. What's going on? And we realized it was Nolte. And we're like, dude. So they, I was the young assistant. There it is. So they made me tell Nick Nolte he had a shower. I'm like, Nick, I, I, this Nolte, is that the greatest mugshot ever? I said, Nick, you, you stink, man. He's like, what? I go, Nick, you stink. And Coach Knight's going to be pissed if he comes in here and he smells how bad this damn shower is. And you know what? He did. He showered. But there you go. That's the number one celebrity mugshot ever. Let's go to some more. You ready? Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders mugshot. I, I got to tell you, I didn't realize that Deion Sanders ever got arrested. I didn't. I, I didn't realize. I, feel, I figured Deion Sanders, uh, I don't know, but Deion Sanders looks a little hammered there. I don't judge people for being hammered. What I judge them for is what they do when they're hammered. Getting hammered is cool. There's no problem. I ain't, I ain't mad about getting hammered. Deion Sanders was charged with simple assault following an altercation. He, char- he was um, arrested with Pillar Sanders on a misdemeanor dire- uh, a, a domestic violence saying she was innocent. That was his wife. I don't know. Apparently his wife got mad at him. Uh, Sanders tweeted that Pillar and a friend of hers has jumped him inside his house and he let people know they were in the middle of a divorce. Apparently Deion Sanders got arrested for that charged with simple assault following an altercation. 
His wife and another dude jumped him in his own house. That happened to my next-door neighbor. His kids jumped him. uh, The next day, the kid was in military school. True story. That kid's doing great. Mike Tyson. Oh, that was for him fishing. I'm sorry. There was a fishing violation, but that's all right. Uh, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson, I don't know how many. Look at that. There you go. Now, that one wasn't for the rape. This one here was for, hell, I don't even know. Mike Tyson been arrested a few times. Mike Tyson got arrested for rape in a horrific incident at a hotel here downtown, and he went to jail for it. But you can tell because he's got that eye thing that this was after. After. So Tyson said at one point in his life he had been arrested 40 times by the time that he was 12 years old. Now think about that. If you're arrested 40 times, then I, why are you out of jail? I mean, I, I don't know. If, I mean, I, I'm nervous about getting arrested once. Yeah, there you go. That's the bad one, man. Desiree Washington. Desiree Washington. That's a bad deal. And anybody that defends Mike Tyson, kiss my ass. You don't defend a rapist, period. Des Bryant. Old Des Bryant. Des Bryant got himself a mugshot. Des Bryant's mugshot is interesting. Des Bryant, who, look at this. How about that? Desmond Bryant, I'm sorry. Desmond Bryant, look at this mugshot. That's not Des Bryant, but Desmond Bryant decided, I don't even know what he's doing here. That's not the Des Bryant, the wide receiver. Look at this mugshot. This is a hell of a mugshot right here. <laughs> It almost makes me puke. I mean, look at this mugshot. Man, I hear it right. Uh, Look at this mugshot here. Uh, uh. Mr. Meter, criminal mischief, caused a commotion at a neighbor's house. He was in a contract dispute. He was booked on a $1,000 bond. A dude did have 10 and a half sacks. I mean, that probably got him out, right? As long as you play football good. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Quit causing commotion at a neighbor's house. Tiger Woods mugshot, celebrity mugshots, all the rage. Tiger Woods. Here's a Tiger Woods mugshot. That ain't good. No, nah, that ain't that that ain't good there. Look, uh, Tiger Woods has made the most, I don't know, the greatest comeback ever. Like, seriously. And I get a kick out of it. Tiger Woods, he was arrested for suspicion of DUI. He was on some pain meds, all kind of stuff. It was in 2017. He was in the back of his Mercedes on the side of the road, failed sobriety test, got himself a DUI. And that's the mugshot. Good for him. Number one celebrity mugshot, Frank Sinatra, baby. Yeah, old blue eyes. See, the thing about Frank, look at there. A street tough, weighed about 102 pounds. Yeah, I'm all in on Frank Sinatra's mugshot. Frank Sinatra is like the greatest thing ever for Frank Sinatra because Frank Sinatra was one of those dudes that wanted so, so, so bad, so bad to be like a guy, a mafia guy. He wanted so bad to run with the fellas. And apparently he did. Apparently Frank Sinatra... You know, I don't know. 
apparently, old Blue Eyes, I don't even know what he did. I mean, I'm sure it was something chicken blank. I mean, I'm sure, you know. But anyway, so Frank Sinatra decides, he goes and gets a mugshot. Now, that looks like every Italian kid that you watch in the Bronx tale. Hey, Vinny, we're going to go knock over the pizza joint. Don't do it in my neighborhood. It will kill you. Now you just can't leave. I had a little Desmond Bryant look right there. <laughs> oh, blue eyes. Man, those are piercing blue eyes. <laughs> oh, man. People, the first known tattoo was Frank Sinatra. Yeah, no, seriously. The fr- first known tattoo. Yeah. Uh, fr- apparently, people put this tattoo on there. Let's see, what was he arrested for? I don't know. Who knows? Some odd organized crime. He wasn't any more part of organized crime than I was. Uh, he was expelled from high school for general rowdiness. He didn't graduate high school. And then he became a Hoboken Force singer. Frankie. He was arrested on the charge of seduction. And the charges were dropped once it was discovered the woman in question was married. Later, in 19, listen to this, 1938, he was arrested on an adultery charge. He was never formally charged with adultery or seduction, but yeah, yeah. Here's what Frank Sinatra did. You ready? On the second and ninth days of November, 1938, in the borough of Lodi, and under the promise of marriage, Frank Sinatra did then and there have sexual intercourse with a complainant who was then said to be a single woman and in good repute. Apparently she was married. Frank was stooping the married gals. Man, that's very Greg Doyle of him. But anyway, that's right. Uh, Frankie was stooping the married ladies. And back in those days, ladies and gentlemen, guess what? That was called seduction, adultery. And you got put in a can for it. Society should go back to that. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I 
or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Let's discuss Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor can ask for a trade. That's right. He can ask for a trade. Uh, Bigger issue. Talked about this at the beginning of the show. Bigger issue for the Colts is that Jonathan Taylor is a latest in a line of good players, legit players that wants out. Naheem Hines wanted out. Stephon Gilmore, former defensive player of the year in the NFL, uh, he wanted out. He wanted out. Everybody wants out. Matt Ryan didn't want to come back. Phillip Rivers didn't want to come back. And, of course, we all know that Andrew Luck just quit. He said, to hell with this. He's like, you know what? I'd rather not play. And, you know, you got don't you at some point have to ask why? True story. When I was coaching, players quit. And I had to ask why. And I found out it was me. I was too tough on them. I was too hard on them. Summers were too tough. I didn't give them an enjoyment. And if I ever went back into coaching, I always said I would totally change it. I wouldn't worry so much about July. I would put more on them and not worry. But I, you have to ask at some point, what, it, where is our culpability in this? And I would say the culpability for Jimmy Ursay is that they decided. Jimmy Ursay, Chris Ballard, and their social media promotions team decided to be social justice warriors and worry about relationships, hugging. They did a big video production about relationships. Yeah, how's that worked out? Let me tell you something. Relationships work. I'll even go to this. Number 35 to number 53 on the roster. That's great. You can say whatever you want to those guys because, frankly, they're happy to be on a team. They're getting an NFL paycheck. They can say they played in the NFL. They may get on an NFL field. They're living the life. They're getting the pregame meal. They're getting the per diems. They're getting all those things. But the truth of the matter is the really good players, like number 28 here, they want that crap. You know what they want? They want to be coached. They want to be pushed. They want to be accountable. And they want the opportunity to win. And I don't think people think that with the Colts. And of course, money factors in. And for this guy, maybe it's all money, but you have an obligation. You got to look at what is actually real here, what is actually happening. Now, Jimmy Ursay has a great, not a good, a great reputation for paying players. He gave Andrew Luck $24 million when Andrew Luck quit. No other owner would do that. And I was the only one that asked him the question, why? And he told me it was the right thing to do. All right. Well, Mr. Ursay, you put a plaque on every GM's wall, and it says simply this. This is your mantra. Nothing gets in the way of winning. Well, guess what? You got in the way of winning by hiring a guy that kisses everybody's ass in Chris Ballard, that hired a coach that kisses it even more in Frank Reich. Now maybe you got a chance, but you got to rebuild this every single day. How do you rebuild this? You rebuild this by making damn sure that your coaches and your coaching staff and everybody in that building, everybody is moving in the same direction with accountability and toughness. Colts have none. Told you this before. Watching on Hard Knocks, uh, their leader, DeForest Buckner, had a chance in a meeting right before the biggest game of the era of Reich, the biggest game of the era of Ballard, had a chance, ladies and gentlemen, to do this. Had a chance to lead, DeForest Buckner did, 
And when asked by the defensive line coach, you're going to play, right, Buck? Well, man, I'm going to do what my body tells me. So uninspiring, but that's your leader. And he could say that because that's the Colts' culture, period. And it's a ridiculous culture, and they better look in the mirror. And I'm not trading Jonathan Taylor unless I get an incredible steal. I mean, like, at least a one and a two. I got to have a first-round pick minimum and a good one against a bad team. I'm not trading that guy. I'm not giving in to any of these clowns. These clowns have not, they have not at all made anybody excited about Colts football other than Anthony Richardson, and he hasn't thrown five picks in a game yet. Period. Period. All right. Joe Biden, 13 days after the incredible wildfires out in California, uh, sleepy, sniffing, petty Joe decides, hey, look, I'm going to show up now. The crowd booed him. The crowd chanted, F you, Biden. Apparently, we can't show that. I wish we could. But Biden spoke. And I'm going to show you two clips of Joe Biden lacking empathy, making it all about himself. If Joe Biden can't promote, excuse me, if Joe Biden can't profit off it or exploit it, he don't want nothing to do with it. This is what Joe Biden said to people who lost their loved ones, thousand kids still missing, allegedly, who lost their homes, who lost their property, who lost their business. This is what the best among us, the leader among us had to say. And uh, Mayor Rick uh, Basson, uh, Rick uh when we talked on the phone, I never, I, you look like you played uh, in defensive tackle for, uh, I don't know who, but some, somebody good. But at uh, any rate, somebody good. I, I want to thank you for your leadership and this unimaginable, during this unimaginable tragedy. tragedy. To my- I don't want to compare difficulties, but we have a little sense, Jill and I, what it's like to lose a home. Years ago, now 15 years ago, I was in Washington doing Meet the Press. It was a sunny Sunday. And lightning struck at home on a little lake that's outside of our home, not a lake, a big pond, and hit a wire and came up underneath our home into the heating ducts, the air conditioning duct. To make a long story short, I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, (laughs) and my cat. <laughs> but all kidding aside, I watched the firefighters, the way they responded. You know, there's an old expression. I grew up right across the street from a fire hall in Claymont, Delaware. And the expression... Honest to God, my cat, my Corvette. What? My 67 Corvette. <laughs> all kidding aside, I'd rather have Obama's stupidity. I'd rather have Obama trying to change the world through Shakespearean speech, as he did on every speech late in the game after he divided our country and made it dangerous to be a cop after doing nothing for three and a half years. Obama actually did worse for our country. But listening to this guy is absurd. Listening to this guy try to talk to people who've lost their lives, livelihoods, lost their loved ones, lost their property, lost their city, lost their heritage in certain ways. Try to make a joke is just asinine, just completely asinine, and I'm not here for it. I'm just simply not. I'm sorry. I seem angry today because I am. I'm angry that this is who represents all of us. I'm angry that we're paying taxes to this guy to let him choose to do with our money. I'm angry that there's nobody better 
to come around and beat this guy. I'm angry that the Democrats have this thing figured out a lot better than what the Republicans have when it comes to elections. I'm angry that this is the world that we live in and this guy runs it. He's the most powerful man in the world. I'm angry that this is all we got. It's all we got. And you know what? The world reflects it. Let me explain in sports. So we got a liar in Jim Harbaugh. We got a cheat in Jim Harbaugh. Lying and cheating at universities used to get you fired when you lied to the NCAA, when you cheated the NCAA. Now it gets you a three-game suspension from a university. Why? Because there's so much money in it. So the University of Michigan suspended Jim Harbaugh for three games, which essentially admits that Jim Harbaugh is a liar and a cheat. This isn't the NCAA suspending him. This is Michigan saying we have enough evidence and we believe this is the right thing to do. Well, they really believe if they were really Michigan men and had any values, they would fire him. See, I always thought if I, no matter how much I won, if I cheated and then I lied about it, that I would immediately get fired. I think most coaches see that, but I think most coaches now have changed their tune. I think most coaches now realize like, oh man, this money we're making is power. This contract I have is written up in a certain way where I'm going to get paid whether they fire me or not. That's power. That's real power in a university. So ethics don't matter. Of course they don't matter. Sportsmanship in sports doesn't matter. Character in sports doesn't matter. It doesn't. And you know what? I'm somewhat all in on it. Hey, I don't give a damn whether the Colts hire a guy out of federal prison if they win. Honestly, don't. Now, Indiana basketball, I hold to a little different standard because I think you can have character and win. I do. But other than that, I'm kind of like, eh, screw it. But I get tired of Michigan. My son went to Michigan, paid a lot of money. I did to the University of Michigan. As I said, I had a guy at cost me, and I go, look, I'll say whatever the hell I want. Well, you're just in it for clicks. No, I'm not. I got a show. I got opinions and a platform. I'm going to use my platform to spout my opinions. You may disagree with it, but they certainly aren't for clicks and likes. But Jim Harbaugh is a cheat and a liar according to his own school. And that's all you need to know about Michigan. And that's all you need to know about Jim Harbaugh. I said that wrong. What what you need to know about Michigan and what you know about Jim Harbaugh is that Michigan, knowing their coach is a liar and a cheat, chose to suspend him for three innocuous games that my dog could lead Michigan to a win. Oh, I'm sorry, Sean Black. A bag of sand could lead Michigan to a win in those circumstances, period. Period. That's it. Period. Um, I like this. I watched this yesterday. New York City Guardian... Well, New York City Guardian Angel, you know this guy, Curtis Sliwa, was arrested for the second time in recent days during migrant housing protests. So you got to understand, migrants are coming to New York City. Now, let me ask you all a question. I'm looking on the YouTube chat. My answer to this is no. My answer to this is absolutely not. No chance. No. Okay? Would you stay in $350 a night? Hotel in for indefinite. No, you wouldn't. I mean, you, maybe you, some of you would. Maybe there's some really rich folks out here, but I'm not. And I got to tell you, that's where these immigrants are staying. $350 a night hotel. 
Curtis Lee was saying, look, how about we get rid of these people? They can go back to their countries. They can go back and do what they need to do for their country, help their country. But they don't need to be here, and now they're fighting. Of course, they're doing drugs. They're, they're defecating on the streets. Drugs are all over the place. Booze, you name it, they're doing it. Not all of them. Not all are bad, but a good majority, not a, not a good number are. So this is Sliwa. While the mayor has decided to head to Martha's Vineyard to begin his week-long fundraising vacation, the migrant crisis continues to unravel. What would Curtis Sliwa do? That's exactly what he would do, and that's what I would do. I'd say, look, we're going to ship you back to your country. There are so many migrants that came to New York and did it the right way. They got green cards. They got work visas. Took them years. Next thing you know, they're American citizens. Go back to your country. I know there's problems in your country. Fight for it. Fix it. Pray on it. I think we got a video of Sliwa, don't we? I like Curtis Sliwa. Always have. There are people in foreign countries who have waited years to get in the legal way. Some of them are here today. You got to jump through hoops. You got to take tests. You have to pass certain specifications. Why do these illegal aliens get to jump the queue and jump to the top in front of a line? It's Americans versus those who would destroy the America that we know. And today I want you to join me in an act of civil disobedience. When I finish, we're going to block this street. When I finish, Dylan, you and I, we're going to block this damn street. Me and Aaron are going to block this street, damn it. When I'm done here, I'm telling you what we're going to do. See, I like Curtis Lee. Well, the Guardian Angels, back in the 70s and 80s, when the police department was neutered like it is now, they went out and they patrolled. They patrolled the subways. You know, it's interesting, though. I wonder what's real. Let me explain. My daughter just went and met her cousins, all female girls in their 20s, in New York City. My brother's daughter, Tori, is like a genius. She got a great job. She works in Manhattan. My daughter calls me last night as she's walking through the airport. Her first question was, hey, I think I just walked past Clay Travis in the airport. Where would he be going? I go, I don't know. Does his, is his wife have curly black hair? I said, I think so. That was her first question. Second question was, hey, Dad, why does everybody think the New York subways are so bad? Huh? I go, I think they're bad. She goes, I tell you what, I rode them. I went everywhere, me, Tori, Allie, and Emmy, the great Emmy Eman, who you see on Big Ten Network, we're all together. We rode them. It was like two bucks to get everywhere. It's great. I'm like, really? I was like, oh, my God. I don't want my daughter riding the New York subways. But she did. So maybe New York's not as bad as they're saying. My daughter said it was awesome. But this guy here has been fighting for New York, been fighting for New Yorkers for years and years and years. I would love to get him on the show. He's all energy. He's all heart. I'm sure over the course of time, in fact, I just tweeted out that I really think Curtis Lee will make sense. I'm sure somebody will come back with some indictment of him from 10 years ago, 9 years ago, 15 years ago, 25 years ago, 7 years ago, where he did something nefarious. Because that's what we do, right? Well, I can't believe you support this guy from 1992. All right. He did this in 2014. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm just saying. That's the world we live in. I think the dude makes sense. 
and we're going to block this damn street. That's right. We're going to block it. We ain't messing around with it. Hey, so Spain wins the World Cup, all right? And the president of Spain kisses a player on the lips. The president of Spain says, hey, guess what? What's shilling? What does that mean, shilling? I don't know what that means, but I'm in. Anyway, the president of Spain kisses people. There he goes. Yeah. He getting him some. When two people have an insignificant show of affection, we cannot pay attention to idiocy. We are champions, and that I stay. And that I stay. It's a peak of two friends celebrating something. We're not here for Bolshevik. Me with everyone, uh, everything I've been through, more Bolshevik and more a-holes. No. That's their president. Luis Ribeiro's on critics bashing the kiss on the lips with Jen Hermoso. Yeah, that's right. Oh, let's play a clip from uh, Kurt Sch- Oh, yeah, I do want to play the Kurt Schilling clip. Yeah, where is that? Yeah. Let's go. Kurt Schilling had something to say about Aaron Boone. Kurt Schilling's show is great on here. Yeah, I screwed that up. I wanted to play that. Let's play it. You know what? I'll say it, and you hear it here first, and I don't want to be first, but Aaron Boone's going to get fired, and that's going to suck because none of this is his fault. And every player in Yankee pinstripes, that know, and these guys know Aaron, and I promise you they care very deeply about this guy. He's the kind of guy that warrants that kind of emotion. Every one of them should feel like crap because it's their fault he's going to get fired, period. You couldn't ask for a better, more calming influence. I guarantee you there's no panic in his voice. Um, but, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but as a player, it always felt like Yankee fans wanted to see panic when they were losing. They didn't just want to panic. They wanted the organization to panic, right? You, you heard, I think earlier, uh, what was it last show? Didn't we, John, we were talking about last show, uh, uh, trade judge, trade Cole, blow it up. And it's like, no, number one. Um, and you almost can't number two. So if you can't fire the players and firing anybody else would be meaningless to the field uh, results, you've got to fire the manager, the coaching staff. And unfortunately, I think that we're about to see that. And that's that sucks because it's not his fault. And I'm telling you, Yankee fans, you're going to regret this because he's going to go somewhere else and win a whole lot of games. This guy's as good as they come as a human being. And these players... You know, the part of me feels like there's a potential that they're trying too hard, pressing too much. Um, because I, I think of them as some good guys, as players, and they want to succeed for this guy. Um, he's just he's just that kind of guy. You know, I've never understood. I'm going to tell you what I've never understood. And I said this to Indiana's basketball team uh, when I was asked to speak. And by the way, you can see Kurt's show. Uh, I think it's basically every day here uh, on OutKick, and it's terrific. You're talking about a guy who should be in the Hall of Fame, but, you know, he leans right, so you can't put him in the Hall of Fame. It's just the way it is. But I will say this. You know, it's interesting. Players are responsible for Aaron Boone on the hot seat. Okay, I I agree with him. And I also, I big time agree with he says that, you know what, The Yankee fans, you will regret this. But I got to tell you something. I've never understood this. I've never understood players playing for a coach. Hey, they'll play for him. 
I said this to Indiana. I showed Indiana players when I spoke to them a few years ago. I showed them the rafters, and I said, you know, I was a part of that, 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 that championship, either as a player or as an assistant coach or as a graduate assistant. I was a part of many of the banners at Assembly Hall. And not one time do I remember anybody on the team, whether it was Steve Alford, uh, Keith Smart, uh, Calbert Chaney, you name it, I don't remember any of them saying, man, we're playing for the coach. I don't remember playing for the coach. I went to play for the coach. Uh, I figured he's a coach. I'll do what he says. And away we go. But it's not like if I didn't like the coach. I didn't like Bob Knight as a coach. I, I mean, I, he was t- hard as hell on me. I thought he was unfair with how he played me. But every player thinks that except for guys that played 40 minutes. But the truth of the matter is I didn't play – it wasn't like if I didn't like him one day, I wasn't going to play hard. I don't understand that. I didn't play for a high school coach. I played because I loved to play, and it was time to play, and it was time to win. And I do agree with Kurt that, hey, look, you Yankee players, get your heads out of your ass. Just like I said the other day, you know, there were players in Indiana who played so badly, competed so little for Archie Miller that Indiana had to fire Archie Miller and pay millions to Mike Woods, and those players should be billed. They shouldn't get a bill from the Bursar office in Indiana. Look, you cost us money. They shouldn't get NIL money. You know, we always want to praise the players, right? Players this, players that, until it goes bad. Then it's the manager's fault. Oh, God, it's the manager's fault. I like Aaron Boone. Aaron Boone and I, along with uh, Hannah Storm, were sitting in the green room. Hannah was looking good, too. I'll tell you what, Hannah had a dress. I was like, oh, my God. I'm sitting there looking around going, oh, my God, look at Hannah Storm looking beautiful. And look at, this is Aaron F. and Boone. And I get to sit here, and I ask Boone, I go, what were you thinking when you hit the home run, right? He goes, oh, man, I don't even think I was thinking. Anyway, let's go to Wokadup. Hannah Storm, I like Hannah Storm. Beautiful. Great red dress. What are you going to do? All right. All right. Uh, I'm sure that gets you in trouble, right? Hunter Gatherer. That's pretty good. I like that a lot. Man, uh, I'm not one of those that thinks that everything that is done is done to hide what's happening with the Bidens. But man, oh man, every time Hunter Biden's name comes up and there's a problem, Trump gets indicted, right? It's like, it's like Jerry Tarkanian said, every time UCLA cheats, Cleveland State goes on probation. <laughs> it's the same thing. All right, numero dos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is this unbelievable? This is what I was talking about earlier. Eugene Clark, career criminal, murdered a 67-year-old man, freed without bail in New York City. Trump, bail set, 200000 For what? Hey, the election's rigged. <laughs> I mean, one's a white dude. One's African-American. I don't know. You think that has anything to do with it? I don't know. One's a criminal, and the other may be a criminal. I don't know. But why is it like this? Serious business. Why is it in New York? I'd love to talk to Curtis Lewa about it. Why is it in New York that you murder a dude and you're freed without bail? Like, I don't care what the reason is, but the word is murder. The charge is murder. And you got no bail, so you can go out and murder again? Hey, man, I'm out. Find a witness. Let's off him or her. The hell is that? You know, you got to keep pointing these things out. 
for two reasons. One, it's important that people see what's going on here. And two, to expose who the idiots are. Because I guarantee you, now I'm going to go on this after, maybe talk about it tomorrow, but I guarantee if you look at the mentions under end end wokeness, you got a bunch of idiots. And they're always on the mean left, the cruel left, the ridiculous left. It's fascinating. Eugene Clark, you go, man. Do yourself some good old-fashioned killing. Jesus. uh, Who else? What else we got? Hmm. Oh, I saw this. I'm so glad you guys put this up. This is a great question. Just curious. How many countries tax their citizens so they can send money to the United States? It's infuriating. It's infuriating. I don't even know how. It is so angering, maddening, whatever the right word that isn't infuriating, because apparently I can't say it. This is so true. Hey, look, Italy, we're going to tax our people because, you know, they got a homeless crisis in the, in the, in the United States. So we're going to send money over. Uh, Sweden, let's gather up some cash for the good old USA. Billions upon billions upon billions upon billions. With a B. Sent. Almost weekly. How many subscriptions? I don't know how many subscriptions, lady. Billions upon billions upon billions upon billions sent to the Ukraine. Our money, not their money, our money. It's absolutely uh, 1,000% arguably the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard that we're doing that. Great show today. Katie, thank you. Dylan, Ryan, Nick, thank you. Aaron, thank you. Gary, thank you. I didn't even get into my boy Lee Fitting. I'll leave that a go for a day or two. Been chatting with Lee. Lee was the senior vice president of, of uh, football. He oversaw all of football. I feel like if I support Lee Fitting, it hurts Lee Fitting. By the way, you just keep it right here. You got Outkick. You got Hot Mike. You got Tommy. You got all these You got Clay. You got me. You're going to have Chark. We are, ladies and gentlemen, the smartest, the funniest, the most entertaining, and the most beautiful network on air. I mean, what are you going to listen to? Thanks for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.